Good morning. Shall we pray? Pray that God will speak to you. Pray that your heart will be opened. Pray that God will help you to receive his word. Please, let's pray together. Without the intervention of God, we'll just be amusing ourselves. But with the intervention of God, no matter how weak I am, there will still be impact. So let's pray. Father, please help us. Let our hearts be open to receive your word. In the name of Jesus. Kabibi tremian sana mako. Kabibi tremian sana mako. Mira unchen amaba. Ye pese ye hunu eni unya. Ye pede ye hunu eni unya. Ye ra ya ba Jesus' name, we pray with thanksgiving. Amen. Redeemer, Redeemer, we said that this is the kind of people we want to see. People who have been redeemed to love God. So last week we saw that from Deuteronomy chapter 6. God willing, next week, we'll look at the element of serving the city. Seven. This morning, we want to focus on build. So we say that as a people, there are three main verbs that should characterize us. Love, build, serve. We've looked at love. We will look at serve. Today, we want to look at build. And we are looking, we are coming to Ephesians 4, 1 to 16. So with this passage, all that we are asking is just one thing. What do we learn about building from Ephesians 4, 1 to 16? And we are going to learn four things. What does it mean to have understanding of this terminology? What does it mean? We want to look at, well, then we'll see why should I be built, the necessity how are we built, the means? And of course, with every building, we want to test its structural integrity. How do I know that I'm being built? So what does it mean? Why? How? And then how do I know I'm being built? So 
What does it mean to be built? Let's look at verses 11 and 12. There are some phrases and words there that helps us to understand this. Paul says, So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and teachers, and the first one, understanding what building is, he says, to equip his people. So an idea associated with being built is being equipped to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up. Our word is there. And then verse 13 also expands this idea. Until we all reach unity in the faith, in the knowledge of the Son of God, and become mature. Attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Now that is the destination. So it means that when we think about being built, of course, we build houses, we build structures, but when it's used figuratively, it's talking about also being establishing people. And here in verse 13, we are seeing that what this building is aiming towards. It says, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. So a word that should be always associated with being built is Christ-likeness. Becoming like Christ. Verse 12 also, he talks about being equipped. So being your gifts and your abilities being sharpened so that you are able to do works of service. You are being equipped. And then he also talks about until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God. Unity in the faith, so harmony amongst believers. So some ideas that should be associated with being built in our minds is being equipped. So when we talk about being built, understand we mean being what? Equipped. Being built also has to do with living in harmony, pursuing unity. But the central thing is becoming mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Pursuing Christ-likeness. Becoming like Jesus. Effective in ministry service, harmony amongst believers, fellowship, becoming like Jesus, Christ-likeness. So, if you are asked, what does it mean to build others or to be built yourself? At least the central thing is that you are becoming like who? Jesus. You are becoming like Jesus. The meaning. Now, why should I be built the necessity? From what I've said, you can actually draw out the necessity from it. But Paul doesn't just leave us there to draw those implications. He makes it clear. Let me read from verse 12. But the key is in verse 14, the answer there. He says, to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God, become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Verse 14. Then. Then. You are built so that 
Now he's going to say something that he wants to forestall. If you are not built, this is what is going to happen. But church in Ephesus, I'm telling you about being built up into Christ-likeness so that, what does it say? Then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people in their deceitful scheming. So, as we are thinking about being built up, what is our stake? Is it something that is a luxury that we can decide that, okay, no, let other Christians pursue it. But for me, just as I am with one plea, I am okay. Paul says that it is necessary for you to be built up so that, now look at the pronoun he uses, we will no longer be infants. Anybody who is born again, you are born again as what? An infant. Infant. So in every church, that is what we should expect. Infants. What are some of the traits of infants? As a baby. Paul emphasizes some things here, but now let's think about infants. Like we have as empire there. Needs to be carried. Needs to be cleaned doesn't even know what he wants or what he doesn't want. Anything you present, the baby will take it. Infants. Paul said that, so that we will not remain in diapers. So that we will not remain with feeding bottle. But what he emphasizes here, verse 14, is the issue of stability and gullibility will not longer be infants, tossed back and forth, blown here and there by every wind of teaching. Listen, if you are not built up, if you don't pursue Christ-likeness, obtain... Um, reaching to the fullness of Christ, what is going to happen is that you will be an incredibly unstable person. You will be blown here and there. You will go to and fro. There will be, there will be instability. That is the main thing people will see about you. You will be unable to keep any commitment. Today you commit to this church, tomorrow you have to leave. You commit to this ministry tomorrow, you have to leave. You commit to this person, you have to leave. You will not be able to have any commitment. You will be unstable. Now picture this. A boat on the sea. Being tossed. Some of, unfortunately, some of our brothers who want to go to Europe and then they have to cross the sea. On those dinghies. Look at the waves. Anytime we see it, we are saying, oh Lord, we pray people survive. Because it's a risky thing. Paul is saying that spiritually also that is what is going to happen. If we are not built up 
and will remain as infants, you will be tossed to and fro, back and forth. You'll be blown here and there. You'll be lacking in direction by every wind of teaching. So when you have a problem, you see, and a brother comes that, please, let's pray and trust God. What will you do? You'll pray and trust God. Another day, when another brother comes and says, I have yes moja for you. Drink yes moja. And that, was, that is what is going to solve your problem. What do you do? Please, buy me more. You will send a person Momo. Next time you are going there, please, don't just bring me bottle, a small bottle, 150 ml. I want to for gallon. You are any wind. So, so far as you are concerned, anything that appears to provide solution for me is what I should pursue. When you are in a financial hardship, anything that will help you get money, you are willing. If it's coming to church to pray, you will do. If it's cutting corners and doing anything, so far as you are concerned, anything that works is good. Anybody who stands in front of you with a microphone and is not holding a calabash and opens the Bible like I am and is in kaftan, everything the person says is what? Is from God. So, so far as the, you are invited, let's go here to listen. Okay, he's not in a smoke. He's not holding, how do they call it? The, the thing the, the fetish used to chant. There's this thing, bodhya. <laughs> Please translate for the others. He's not holding bodhya. He's what? Definitely speaking it. Every wind of doctrine that blows, we see you in that. It's carrying you. You are like chaff. And Paul is saying that if you are not built up, this is what is going to happen. Stability. And by the cunning and craftiness of people in their deceitful scheming, you are so gullible. You are so gullible. Anything people say, people can just deceive you left, right, center. Imagine one of our children. You give the person, you find a container full of coins, 10 pesos coins, maybe full. And then you give the person two 200 CD notes. Which one is he going to pick? He sees plenty versus two. Ah, how? You want to give me two? Give me this small bowl containing a lot of coins, 10 pesos coins. How many tempests will you have to get 200, CD, 200 CDs? But so far as the person is an infant, their sense of evaluation is skewed. They think what is great is just the numbers. They don't see the value of the note. Anything goes. People of God, this is what is at stake in our lives. If we are not built up, you will be unstable. You will be unstable. And if, look at this person tossed to and fro. How do you think this person's marriage will look like? It will affect your marriage. If the person is in business, how, how do you think it will look like? This will affect everything about you. The necessity. So, we have to know, how then are we built up? The means, how? 
And there are two broad categories Paul lists for us. The first one from verse 11. So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and teachers to equip his people for works of service so the body of Christ may be built up. So how are we built up? First, it's through the ministries of these leaders, the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, teachers. Here in Ephesians, so in the book of Ephesians 2.20, Paul has told us that the foundation of the church, the apostles and prophets, let me read Ephesians 2.20. He says, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. So the foundation of the church is the teachings of the apostles and prophets. So we need their teaching. But then also we have the evangelists, more of who the body grows in expansion, also in width. More people are coming in. They, they spread the gospel, people coming in. The body is also being built up. There's a corporate idea. And we also have the pastors and then the teachers. The shepherds who do their work through the teaching of God's word. So what is being emphasized is the word ministry. So God has given us some leaders who play a crucial role in we being built up. He gave these so the church will be built up. So the first one, if you like, formally, like we are doing now this morning, if what I'm saying is from God is the truth that calls to Scripture, what is, is contributing to you being built up? So we have them. But it's not just them. Look at verse, let me read from verse 14. Then we will no longer be infants, tossed back and forth by the waves, and blown here and there by every wind of teaching, and by the cunning and craftiness of people in their deceitful scheming. 15. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is head, that is Christ. Instead, speaking the truth in love. So yes, God has given these apostles, these leaders who have this role. But then also the rest of the Christian community also play a role. They speak the truth, what? In love. So the agents, the ministers listed in verse 11, and also one another speaking the truth in love. So the way you are going to grow would be in the context of a community where people are able to tell you the truth in love. And Paul says that this should go together so that you will grow. It means that if you are not in a Christian community and hearing the truth in love, listen. So far as Paul is concerned, you are not being built up. They are telling you the truth. Areas where you need to change. Areas where you need to be transformed. But they are saying it in love. 
they are not just telling you a truth. If for some of us, our temperaments, we are good at telling the truth. Charlie, I'm going to tell him. I'm going to tell her. So we can become abrasive. But when we do that, what happens? The people listening to us, they become hardened. They are unable to hear us. We are just harsh. So truth without love can harden the hearts of people. But if it's love without truth, will be, be, be confirmed in our sinfulness. So that you have friends around you, they claim to be Christians, they can see a path that you are taking. But let love live. We lo let's love one another. They know that you are, you are veering into certain habits, certain desires. You are veering into certain things that is going to compromise your faith, compromise other commitments. They see you. Praise the Lord. The Lord bless you and keep you and cause his face to shine upon you and give you peace. They see the wrong, but they don't have the boldness to tell you the wrong. Listen, you will never grow. You will never grow. I remember <laughs> some years ago um, when Sarah and I were dating, she had traveled somewhere. And then um, a friend invited me to their church for the, uh, it was in January, they had this feast, so he invited me. So I went with a female friend. We were chatting nice. Everything was, was cool. Sarah was not there. And those times we were even quarreling. Let me <laughs> it's not easy. <laughs> so I went with this friend. And to this church meeting, fellowship, it was nice fellowship. So when we closed, my best friend at the time, who invited me, Yima, he came to me and said, Amiel, what are you doing with this girl here? Where is Sarah? Just that... Those things he told me, I clear. Because he knew I was dating Sarah. We've not broken up. But where from this lady and you are like all over each other, you are laughing and you are, Amiel, yes, I invited you to my church. <laughs> but I didn't invite you to come and compromise your, your, your commitment. Why are you bringing this lady here? I needed to hear that. Yima was the kind of friend who told me the truth in love. Unfortunately, some of us, we don't have those friends. It means that, you know, there are certain, there's a path that you are on now. You just need somebody to shout, hey! And it will be enough for you. Th that's all you need. <laughs> in the voice of Prophet Odro, that's all you need. But if you don't have such friends who can tell you the truth in love, Paul says that you will not grow. You will not be built up. In some respects, you remain as an infant. So how are we built up? He says, through these leaders God has given to us and also through one another. The how. So now it's clear the implication. You need the church to grow in Christ. 
There are some people, they claim that, well, I'm a believer, I love Jesus, I have my Bible, I have the Holy Ghost. So I don't need fellowship. I don't need to come to service. Um, after all, I also know how to handle the Word of God. Paul says, yes, I know. I know you have the Holy Spirit. I know you are, you are born again. But listen to this. Without the church, you will remain an infant. So practically, one of the things it will mean that for some of us, think about your, your participation in Sunday worship. Is it sporadic? Paul is saying, in some respects, you remain as an infant. Think about the community that you are in. Are you in a Christian fellowship that people around you are able lovingly tell, tell you the truth? If you don't have that, Paul says, in some respects, you are going to remain as an infant. You will still be walking around with feeding bottle. You will still be in your diapers. Okay. So, now I want to look at the test. How do I know that I am being built up? From all that we've said, you, you can draw the implications from the description of the, what it means to be built up, the, the how and the why. You can draw certain implications. But Paul narrows it for us in the first section of our passage, verses 1 to 6. Let me read. As a prisoner for the Lord then... I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the spirit through the bond of peace. There's one body and one spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all, and through all, and in all. So what is the test, the litmus test? You remember chemistry. If you want to check if a solution is acidic or is it base, you have a litmus paper. You put in, if it's acidic, it turns red. If it's base, is it blue? <laughs> it is working. The chemistry is no, I revised it for this sermon. So, <laughs> okay. So that is. So now we are going to have a test. With all that we have said, there's going to be a litmus test to see if you are being built up. What is it? Paul gives a comprehensive kind of command. It's not third party. Comprehensive. I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. He goes on to talk about certain graces. Humble, gentle, patient, bearing with one another. And now his, the main thing he's stressing on. Make every effort to keep the unity of the spirit through the bond of peace. Make every effort to keep the unity of the spirit through the bond of peace. Now, notice that he doesn't say create. He says what? Keep. The unity we have as believers has already been created. And now what Paul is urging us to do is to keep. In Ephesians 2, he talks about how it was created. 
from verse 14. For he himself is our peace, who has made the two groups one, and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility, by setting aside in his flesh the law with its commands and regulations. His purpose was to create in himself one new humanity out of the two, thus making peace. And in one body, to reconcile both of them to God through the cross, by which he puts to death their hostility. He came and preached peace to you who were far away and peace to those who were near. For through him, we both have access to the Father by one spirit. The cross of Jesus has achieved the unity in the church. Here specifically, he's talking about the Jews and Gentiles, the hostility between them. The cross of Jesus has broken that wall of partition. So both of them have been reconciled to each other, and now having been reconciled, they've also been brought near to God. There's that unity there. So Paul is saying that this is a reality that is there. Now, church, make every effort to make this unity visible. And this unity, we see how he anchors this unity back in Ephesians 4. He talks about seven unifying realities, seven unifying truths, one body, one spirit, one hope, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God. One, 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 one. So when he's talking about the unity of the church, it's not unity without doctrine. It's based on this truth. And now Paul is saying, I want, I'm urging you to make every effort to live in such a way that this unity is visible. There we have our litmus test. Are you being built up? The test is this. Are you the kind of person who promotes unity in the church? Or you are the, the kind of person who undermines the unity of the church? Are you the kind of person, as you see people who are different from you in race, in class, in education, in bank accounts, in Momo, whatever, but the, you see all those differences, but you see that the fundamental thing is the unity we all share as Christians. And so that is what you promote, that we ought to live in harmony because we belong to one God. There's only one faith. There's one baptism. There's oneness already. And so we live in such a way that promotes it. Paul is saying that this is the test. If you live in any way that undermines the unity that Jesus Christ achieved in his cross, Paul is saying here in Ephesians 4, listen, you are in diapers still. You are in feeding bottle still. You are say, still saying go, go, gaga. That is what is happening. So being built up, we saw what it means. Essentially, 
becoming like Jesus. We've seen the necessity. Your stability is at stake. We've seen the means. The ministers, the pastors, the leaders God gives us, and then other believers around you. And now we've seen the test. You have a strong, urgent desire to pursue unity with all believers. Shall we pray? Jesus has made provision for us to be built up. So we want to go before him. God, I don't want to remain an infant. God, the years where I'm tossed to and fro by every doctrine, anything I hear, follow, follow. You want to say, Father, please help me. Yes, I was born again as an infant, but I don't have to remain. So, Father, help me. Through the leaders you have given me and through the believers that surround me, Father, may I grow. May I be built up. May I become mature. Please open your hearts and pray. So, Father, we pray in the name of Jesus. Oh, Lord, we pray. Pray this for Regima. The emphasis here in Ephesians is a corporate thing, the whole church. Say, oh, Lord, none of us will remain an infant. None of us. None of us will remain. The whole body will continue in maturity to attain to the fullness of Christ. We'll become more and more like Jesus. A year from now, we'll see that, yes, we are growing in godliness. We cherish the unity with other believers. Oh God, help your church. That none of us will be tossed to and fro. In the name of Jesus. So Lord, we pray in your mercy to build. May we be built and continue to build others. To become like Jesus. To become stable to become effective in our service, and to live in harmony. Please, Lord, help Redeemer to be this kind of church we see in Ephesians. By your mercy and grace, amen.